0: This morning, we're going to be in two passages of Scripture. We'll be first in the book of Ezekiel. Uh, We'll be in Ezekiel chapter number 14, and we'll get started there as we have the last two Sunday mornings. And from Ezekiel 14, uh, we'll go to Genesis chapter number 6. So we'll begin in Ezekiel 14, uh, and then we'll go to Genesis chapter number 6. And uh, we will, uh, in this little three-week series, if you will, look at the uh, last message this morning. And I I believe that it will be a help to us. It will be an encouragement to us, but also a challenge to us. And I look forward to seeing these truths uh, this morning from God's Word. And I'm thankful for the Word of God, aren't you? Thankful for the house of God, thankful for the people of God. And I'm looking forward to what God does for us uh, in our service this morning. We'll first read in the book of Ezekiel, chapter number 14. And we've read this same passage the last two Sundays. We'll read it again today, beginning with verse number 14. We'll read down through verse number 20. Though these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job, were in it, They should deliver but their own souls by their righteousness, saith the Lord God. If I cause noisome beasts to pass through the land, and they spoil it so that it be desolate, that no man may pass through because of the beast. That these three men were in it, as I live, saith the Lord God, they shall deliver neither sons nor daughters, they only shall be delivered. But the land shall be desolate. Or if I bring a sword upon the land and say, sword, go through the land, So that I cut off man and beast from it, though these three men were in it, as I live, saith the Lord God, they shall deliver neither sons nor daughters, but they only shall be delivered themselves. For if I send a pestilence into the land and pour out my fury upon it in blood to cut off from it man and beast, though Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it, as I live, saith the Lord God, they shall deliver neither son nor daughter, they shall but deliver their own souls by their righteousness. Was we've may comment in the last couple of Sundays, and we do again this morning as we see as God delivers a message to the Old Testament prophet Ezekiel about his judgment. Now remind us once again today the judgment of God is a very real thing. It is not something that is trivial. It is not something that we should, uh, we should not even give a thought to. It's not something we should scoff at. It is a very real thing. And I thank God for His mercy, don't you? I thank God for the long-suffering attributes that he have, And God is more gracious to you and I than we deserve. I'm thankful for that. But there does come a time when God says on a people, as we see here, enough is enough. I'm going to send my judgment. Once that takes place, there's nothing that could have been done. Uh, The people could repent, and and God knew their heart, knew they would not repent. And God makes a statement. He brings up uh, three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job. And in the midst of his pronouncement of judgment, he says, If Noah, Daniel, and Job were here, I would spare them, but I'd still spare nobody else. Which tells us that Noah, Daniel, and Job had a special place in the heart of God. Now, I know the Bible tells us that God is not a respecter of persons. When God sent Jesus, and John three sixteen says, For God so loved the world, that's everybody. Right. God loves everybody. He's not a respecter of persons in that regard. Right. God will save anybody who wants to be saved. Anyone who will believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, who will repent, turn to Christ from their sins, He will save them. Right. There's nobody who has ever gone the Bible way that God has rejected. He's not a respecter of persons. But there are some attributes in these three men, two we've already seen in the last couple of weeks, that got God's attention, that caused God to favor, that caused God to pour out His blessings on. And as I've also said two previous weeks, I'll say it again today, if they had God's attention in this regard, doesn't it make sense to you and I to look a little deeper into their life, to see what it is that they did that got God's attention? What was it in this climate where God said, I'm going to destroy, I'm going to pass my judgment, but if these were alive, I would spare them, but nobody else. Uh, We look at the book of Genesis very quickly. If you turn over there to Genesis chapter number six, and I'll read verses eight and nine, and then we'll have a word of prayer and get into the message this morning. Genesis chapter number six, verse number eight and verse number nine, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations, and Noah walked with God. Leave your Bibles open, if you will, to Genesis 6, because we'll refer back to this passage of Scripture. But as two weeks ago, I preached on what made Daniel great, and last week I preached on what made Job great. Today, we look at the third individual that God brings up to His people, Noah. And this morning, we'll look at what made Noah great. Father, I pray that You would help us. We need Your help May the Spirit of God be uh, real to us already. We've been blessed by the music. We've been blessed by the fellowship. But, Father, we need the Spirit of God to minister to us, to convict us, to challenge us through the preaching of the Word today. May as we look into the life of Noah, may areas where we are deficient, may we be honest with ourselves, may we be honest with you. May we do the things that are necessary to uh, grow our relationship with you. The Father, if there's sin that has crept into our life, may we be willing to deal with that today. If there's one unsaved, may they realize their need of salvation, realize that Jesus has paid the price. We must simply believe in Him. Father, I pray that uh, Your people will be helped today. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we've seen in the book of Ezekiel, that line had been crossed, and Israel had crossed that line with God, and God was going to pronounce His judgment. This is servants as the last two has, the last two Sundays. I wanted to also serve as a little bit of a warning for us that God does pronounce His judgment. We in our land are, I believe, experiencing much of God's judgment, but nothing as it will be in the future. In the midst of that, as we Sometimes as Christians wring our hands and perhaps throw our hands up in despair and look at the things that are going on, and, and we deserve God's judgment. Let's make no bones about it. We as, as, as a nation, we deserve the judgment of God. We make a mockery of His house. There'll be more Christians interested in what takes place on a football field a little bit later today than interested in what takes place in the house of God. I, I, I thought that would be received a little bit better, but... We make a mockery of his day. Uh, We make a mockery of the institution of marriage. This Bible says he made them male and female. God has established that. We make a mockery of that. We make a mockery of life. And there's some who still want to debate something that God settled a long time ago. And we murder innocent children. We deserve the judgment of God. If you dwell on that, that should frighten you. If you dwell on that, I'll use the word discouraged, that can discourage you. But God's people are not to be discouraged because we have hope in Christ. But I find encouragement in the midst of God's judgment that even when God says the line has been crossed, he references Noah, Daniel, and Job to show the seriousness of his judgment because let's be reminded the people knew all about Noah. They knew all about Daniel. They knew about Job. And God said if they were here I wouldn't spare any of you. I'd spare them. Well let this be a lesson to you and I. You know the this generation is not going to be spared by the previous generation. You won't be spared by what your grandmother and grandfather did. You won't be spared by what your pastor does. Young people, you'll not be spared because of, of what somebody else, we as God's people can cross the line and God's judgment can be real. But i find hope in the fact that Daniel did something that God would have spared him in judgment. Job did something that God would have spared him in judgment. Noah did something that God would, as we have seen in the lives of Daniel In Job, the last two Sundays, I want us to look into the life of Noah and see what made Noah great. I have four statements I want to make this morning. First of all, Noah mastered the most important thing. When I look into the life of Noah, I see he mastered the most important thing. Look at me at verse number 9. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations, and Noah walked with God. Of all the things that Noah could do, he mastered the most important. Of all the things Moses would do, he mastered the most important. Noah, this Bible character, this this story, Noah and the flood, as we we know it, we know the significance of Noah's command to build that ark because God's going to destroy the earth with a flood, and we understand all that this morning. But Noah was still a husband, and he had a honeydew list. Noah was a father, and he still had responsibilities as a father. Noah had responsibilities as a man, things that he was, were to do, and responsibilities that he had. But above everything else, what he mastered was the most important thing. I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but I think one of the detriments to God's people is we become really good at things that do not matter. We become experts in things that have no eternal value. And Noah mastered the most important thing. Can there be anything greater said about a child of God than it just simply be said, they walked with God? The Old Testament prophet Amos writes, How can two walk together except they be agreed So the fact that God said about Noah that he walked with me lets me know that he agreed with God. Now, let's get that right. God didn't agree with him. Too many people are waiting for God to agree with them. And and God, this is what I, God needs to just agree with my decision. No, 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 uh, Noah agreed with God. That's what we have to do. Do you realize today the Holy Spirit might convict you of something? And you say, well, I just don't agree with that. It's your responsibility, my responsibility, not to get God on the same page with us, but to get on the same page with God. Right, exactly right. In our nation today, we're trying to change who God is. Yeah. I don't work. He mastered the most important thing to every parent in here. The greatest thing that your ch- children could ever say about you is that you walk with God. You walk with God because you agree with God. You walk with God because you fellowship with Him. It takes time out of your schedule to fellowship with God. It takes priority. Noah a fellowship daily with God. Now, we come to church. It's the Lord's Day. Uh, every Sunday comes once a week, but that doesn't mean that should be all your fellowship with God. Right. You're right. He fellowship daily with God. Not only did he fellowship daily with God, he fellowship continually, meaning he fellowship with Him throughout the day. It wasn't like, "Well, I'm just going to talk to Him one time and that's it." He fellowship continually. He walked with God. We as Christians, and in this, the Christian world, if you will, we use that terminology, "walk with God," and many times we don't even we don't really define it, but it's that communion with Him. You've been married a long time, and sometimes, well, a long time, sometimes it can could be fifty years, and depending on who you're married to, it could be six months. Be just, but if you're married a long time, some things can be said without any words being said. Right. Just you can sit with somebody in your fellowshiping, your communion. Well, what a privilege to walk with God. He worshipped him in that fellowship. We find in this passage of Scripture, we're going to see, God gives Noah some instructions. This was not the first conversation they had. Because there had been many conversations. Noah mastered the most important things. I think of the first man, Adam, and, and the first woman, Eve. And before they sinned, they had that appointment with God and God walked with them in the cool of the day in the Garden of Eden and when they sinned, God still showed up to walk with them but Adam and Eve did not show up because of their shame. The reason why we don't walk with God is because sin gets in the way of us walking with God. The reason why we don't walk with God is because the priority is not there. The desire is not there. No, we, we would... We would not go uh, days and, and a week and weeks without talking to our best friend. Talking to another loved one. But we ought to walk with God. So what, what is it that made Noah great in the eyes of God? Uh, first of all, he mastered the most important thing. Friend, if you can't accomplish anything else this week, but you master that walk with God, you walk with Him, you spend time with Him, you talk to Him through His Word, you let Him talk to you. He's that priority. It's good to start your day talking to God, but you know what? You can talk to Him throughout the day. You can can make your requests known to Him all the time. You can let Him talk to you all the time. That walk with Master, the most important thing. If everything else gets left undone, we ought to be on the same page with God in our fellowship. As He walked with God. Now, bear in mind, a lot of us might say, well, I walk with God. Somebody else might say of you, or some might say of somebody else, they walk with God. And there's nothing wrong with that. We may say, I see some evidences of that. I believe they walk with God. And there's nothing wrong with that. But friend, I want to remind you before I move on, this is not another man saying about Noah, he walked with God. This is God saying about Noah, he walked with me. Let me just ask a very pointed question this morning. What would God say about you and your walk? Would God say they walk with me? Would God say they spend time with me? Would God say I'm important enough for them to change their schedule to spend time with me on a daily basis? It's a very convicting question for all of us. But in the midst of God's judgment, there's a reason why God said if Noah was here, I would spare him. I see, first of all, Noah mastered the most important thing. And let me just, I just feel led to park here for a little while. It is more important that you walk with God than sing in the choir. Because how you sing in the choir will be affected by your walk with God. But as your pastor, I won't, I mean, I I, I love our choir, but if you can only do one walk with God. It's more important for you to walk with God than it is in the area of service. It is the most important thing, is that we have a walk with God, and he mastered that most important thing. Number two, Noah and his family were the exceptions. I'll read verse 8 and 9 in just a moment. Let me go ahead and read it. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. We've already read it a couple times. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man, a perfect in his generations, and Noah walked with God. Verse 10, and Noah begat three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. This was Noah, but it was also involved his family. And Noah and his family were the exceptions. Chapter number 6 begins as the Lord is watching the the deterioration of the world society, man. They were wicked and evil. Verse 5 says, And God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. No wonder the New Testament tells us, as it is in the days of Noah, so the coming of the Son of Man shall be. I think we're there again. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said... I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. I remind you, God doesn't say something he doesn't mean. The earth was so wicked, he said, I will destroy it. That puts verse 8 in proper context. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. He's going to destroy the whole world. But the Bible tells us in verse number 8, they found grace. Verse number 9, he was a just man. So they lived in a world that was not pleasing to God, but they lived pleasing to God. We see this here, and as God's going to destroy the world he sees the heart of every man. He goes from man to man to man. And look at verse number uh, uh, five, in that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Let's put this in context. God knew the thoughts of every man. He said, every thought is evil. He, He looked into the heart of every individual. And friend, this is a This is a reminder for you and I today. God knows what's in your mind. God knows what's in your heart. He knows the thoughts and the heart of every man. And as he looked at this world, he saw all the thoughts and and all the hearts, and they were all evil, but then he comes to Noah. He says, that heart's different.
1: Those thoughts are different. He goes through his house, he says, the heart's different. The
0: minds are different. The statement I made, please do not miss this. This is the whole key to this statement. I said, no one his family were the exception. When God was going to destroy the, and did destroy the world, no one in his family was an exception. Here's the part I don't want you to miss. In order for them to be the exception, they had to be the exception. Pastor, what do you mean by that? In order for them, when God says, I'm going to destroy the earth, I'm not going to destroy them as the exception. They had to be different from the world. Their thoughts had to be different. Their heart had to be different. Their lifestyle had to be different. Their focus had to be different. We know that God said Noah walked with God. The rest of the world didn't walk with God. Noah, if I could put it in the day we live in, Noah and his family would have went to church on Sunday instead of going to the family reunion. Noah and his family would have lived with being the part of the family that was talked about by the rest of the extended family. Because they were the weird ones. They were the different ones. But friend, let me tell you, when God's judgment came, it was good to be the exception. It was good to be different. It was good not to be like everybody else. It was good to stick out. It was good. Hey, say, well, Pastor, if we go along with all this, we'll just stick out in this world. Hey, you may stick out in this world, but when God looks at the hearts and the minds, you want to stick out then. You want it to be different then. Let me encourage every mom and dad, hey, you don't worry about what this world thinks of you and how it looks at you, and you rear your children according to this book. They're going to be different. You protect your children from this world. They're going to be different. Be okay with that. Embrace it because it's right. But the day is coming when it's good to be the exception. Noah and his family were the exceptions. They were a contrast to the world.
1: They were a contrast to what
0: everybody else saw. Let me put it like this. They were the weirdos. You know, people don't understand. This world does not understand. They're not capable of understanding God's people. That's why it makes no logical sense to try and convince a lost world why we do what we do. We simply do what we do because we have a changed heart. We we do what we do because we walk with Him. The whole key to them being different was the fact that they walked with God. It's a great statement. I'm sure I'll, I'll, I'll paraphrase it. I won't say it exactly. I don't even remember who, who said it. But you don't, if you, you don't have to leave this world. If you walk with God, the world will leave you. You get saved and get in the house of God. You don't have to leave your old friends. They'll leave you. You don't have to worry about, oh, what am I going to have? Oh, you got to buy this party. What, how am I going to say no? Oh, you let God change you, you won't have to say no. We, we have this fear today of being different, being the exception. Let me tell you, in this context, from God's perspective, perspective in order if you, you want your family to be the exception, they have to be the exception. They have to be different. No way. I remind you that God thought highly of Noah, and I see what made Noah great in the eyes of God. Noah and his family were the exceptions. God searched every heart and found theirs to be different. We know that as it gets closer to Christ's return, we know what's going to take place when God's people are raptured out. These would say, well, when they get rid of all the Christians, things... oh, it's going to be worse than they can imagine. But God does judge. He judges today. I wonder if he would, he looks at the hearts and the thoughts of every neighborhood in Jacksonville, Florida. It comes down your street and it comes down my street. He looks into our hearts. I hope he finds a heart that is different.
1: Thoughts and imaginations that's different.
0: So this is, getting right down where we live, isn't it? Getting down to the reality of what God favors. We live in a world today, especially with with the digital world and social media, everything is geared towards the applause of man. But friend, when it comes down to what is the most important, there's only one person that we need to be pleased with us and pleased with our home, and pleased with our marriage, and pleased with our family, and pleased with our decisions, and pleased with our thoughts, it's God himself. I say number three this morning, as you look with me in chapter number six, verse 14 through 17, let's read that very quickly. And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Rooms shalt thou make in the ark, and shalt pitch it within and without with pitch. This is the fashion which thou shalt make of it. The length of the ark shall be three hundred cubits, the breadth of it fifty cubits, and the height of it thirty cubits. A window shalt thou make to the ark, and in a cubit shalt thou finish it above, and the door of the ark shalt thou set in the side thereof. With lower, second, and third story shalt thou make it. And behold, I, even I, do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh wherein is the breath of life from under heaven, and everything that is in the earth shall die. But with thee will I establish my covenant, and thou shalt come into the ark, thou and thy sons and thy wife and thy sons' wives with thee. We say number three, I say the, from God's perspective, when I look into the life of Noah, what made Noah great in the eyes of God, number three is very simply, Noah had great faith. you got to bear in mind, is. You know, i just asked this question. There's the ark exhibit in Kentucky. Anybody been there? Oh, they didn't have one of those when Noah got this. He couldn't be like, schedule a trip. I'm going to go take notes. No, there was no boat. There was no ark. There had never been a flood. There had never been rain. As God is telling him what he's going to do and how he's going to do it, Noah didn't even know what he was talking about. What is a flood? Water's going to come and destroy everything? I guarantee you, we know it because Noah built the ark. We know that he heard, I'm going to destroy everybody. This is not something that was said all of the time, obviously. Noah was probably even trying to wrap his mind around No doubt he knew God. He walked with God. He found favor from God. But now he's trying to to comprehend and wrap his mind around the fact that God is going to destroy the entire world. We say this because when the judgment of God, and think about this from our perspective, we know the Bible tells us the day is coming when that trumpet is going to sound and those that know the Lord, the Redeemer, are going to be raptured out. And then God is going to pour His wrath out on this world. And it's going to be so bad that, that, that the people are going to try, and they're going to want to die and not be able to die. It is the wrath of God that is going to be poured out on this earth. If you say, Pastor, you're trying to scare us, don't let me try and scare you. Let the the reality of what's going to take place, you better make sure you know the Lord. We know that day is coming. We know it's real because God tells us it's real. We know it's real because God's done it before with the flood. Noah, there had never been no before. Noah, by faith, believes what God is telling him, that he's going to destroy the world. He tells him that he needs to build this ark. He gives him the dimensions of it. And Noah had faith enough to obey the commands that really could not be humanly discerned. Can I just say too many times we try and figure out why God is saying something before we do it? Right. 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 There's some things that God tells us to do in this book. We, we can't discern it. We don't have the mind of God. Right. We're just supposed to do it. Right. Sometimes you need to get logic out of the way and just say, where's my faith? Amen. He had great faith. If you know the Bible, Hebrews chapter number 11 is that chapter in the, in the book of Hebrews that's referred to as the hall of faith many times. By faith, this individual. Through faith, this individual. Noah is listed there. Because by faith, he believed God built the ark. The world's going to be destroyed. I wonder as word get out. Now we read this. And we read that he got the command and then in Chapter number seven, things are moving along very, very quickly. He loads it up, the, the, the ark up, and then in chapter number eight, here comes the flood. That happened pretty quickly, didn't it? It took a little longer than that in real life. Maybe you're thinking, Phew, Home Depot did a lot of business that day. There was no Home Depot. Oh, they had a Lowe's. No, there was no Lowe's. Noah had to make
1: every plank.
0: That took some time. Noah had to put it all into place. He had to construct it. He did not have a warehouse that he could build that so nobody else could see what he's doing. Back in this day, they did not have a zoo because Noah was the zoo. Let's go look at the crazy man building a boat to save his family from a flood. Who knows what that is? Can you imagine the mocking? Oh, sure, water's going to fall from the sky. We can't imagine that now, but it never happened before. Oh, sure, kind of like... The child of God hears the mocking today. Oh, sure, you're just going to be called out of this world. You're you're just going to hear trouble. You're just going to be gone. Well, they they mocked him that day too. But every day, Noah got up and he went and did what God told him to do. It takes faith to get started on a building an ark. But it takes faith on day two and faith on day three and faith on day four, all the way till that last nail had been driven, all the way till the, till the, till the last preparation had taken place, it takes faith. Please get this, child of God. It, you, you, it takes faith to serve God today. It'll take faith to serve him five years from now. It'll take faith to listen to this book and say, I'm going I'm to build my life on this book. It's going to take faith tomorrow and the next day and the next day. It's going to take faith to build a marriage and a home and to rear your children about this. But it's going to take faith every single day until God is done with you and I. Noah had great faith. There's a lot of Christians who have the great faith to get started, but not to finish. If you're going to stay faithful to the things of God the rest of your day, until God calls you home, it's going to take great faith to do that. Noah had great faith. Please see this before I move to the last thing I want to mention today. He trusted God amongst the naysayers. He was alone. He had... That faith in God, you say, well, he must have been a master carpenter. We don't know that. He had abilities and talents. We don't know that. He must have been a real strong God. We don't know
1: that. But what we do know is he had faith.
0: You know what that speaks to me this morning? I don't have to have the strength of somebody else. I don't have to have the knowledge of somebody else. I don't have to have the skills of somebody else. I don't have to have the education of somebody else. But I can believe like Noah believed. I can have faith. I can believe that when God says he'll do something, I believe God. I can believe when God says, this is what I want you to do because I can, I can have faith that he's going to do it. And this world can say, well, this doesn't make sense, but I believe God. Yes, I can have faith. You can, too. Yes, right. You can have faith in this book. And I say number four, and I'm through. I like everything that I've noticed so far that I've pointed out. But number four is something that I think, if we're not careful, can go completely unnoticed in the life of Noah. And I think it's vitally important not just in his life, but in our lives as well. Notice chapter number 6, and we've already read, he found grace God's going to destroy because we know why. He gives Noah the command, this is what you're going to do, tells him to uh, build. And then we've already read verse 18, I'll establish my covenant. And then, then in verse number nineteen, and of every living thing of all flesh, two of every sort shalt thou bring into the ark, and to keep them alive with thee, they shall be male and female. Oh, and when you get it built, I'm going I'm to protect, I'm going to preserve your family. And the reason why I'm having you build it this big is because all of the animals, male and female, are coming on board with you. Of fowls after their kind, of cattle after their kind, of every creeping thing of the earth after his kind. Ladies, every creeping thing of the earth after his kind, two of every sort shall come unto thee to keep them alive. And take thou unto thee of all food that is eaten, and thou shalt gather it to thee, and it shall be for food for thee and for them. This is what I want you to notice in verse number 22. And the exact same words are said in chapter 7 and verse number 5. This did Noah... According to all that God commanded him, so did he. Chapter 7, verse 5. And Noah did according unto all that the Lord commanded him. This is statement number four this morning. Noah paid attention to details. Noah paid attention to details. He did all that the Lord commanded him him to do I think the difference between Noah and a lot of Christians is all and
1: some we all do some what are you doing all
0: Lord I'm obeying some but are you obeying all? Lord, I'm doing some, but are you doing all? I I trust you with some, but do you trust him with all? Well, well, uh, Well, I'm going to stand some, but are you standing all? God, I'm going to give you some, but have you given him all? Bear in mind that in the book of Ezekiel, we read and God is pouring out his wrath and to drive his point home, he says, I know what you think, you as God's people, I know how you look at Daniel. I know what you think of Job. I know what you think of Noah. I hold them in high esteem. If they were here, I would save them, but not you. because amongst the other things Noah paid attention to details. Let's just let's just allow ourselves to be honest with God this morning. You believe the Bible is the word of
1: God. Are you reading it? You're faithful to church. Some of the time. You give to him
0: some of your talent. You give him some of an offering. You separate yourself some from this world. Just as God in this day that we are speaking of Could look into every heart, every mind, and look at their imaginations, look at the things that they were, that the evil that was in their heart. He could look in the heart and mind of every person here. And when he got to Noah and he gave Noah these commands, Noah did it all. Why would he do it all? Well, God commanded him to do it all. But he did it all. Because he knew life was at stake. If I'm going to survive, I've got to do it
1: all. I think it was bigger than that, though. Noah had a wife. Noah had sons, daughter-in-laws. Noah had
0: family. And if God said he wanted to be made out of this kind of wood, my family's going to be aboard that. That's the kind of wood God's getting. If God said he wanted to be detailed to this many cubits, and it's going to be this high, Noah didn't let his mind get, well, you know, this is what I've been trained, and this is what I, I read on the Internet, that this is, would be a better uh, uh, use of this wood. No, God wants 50 cubits by 30 cubits. He didn't measure it twice. He measured it more than twice because his family was going to be on board that boat. Life was at stake. The life of others was at stake. God's honor was at stake. God's plan was at stake. And I'm not going to do some of what God has asked me to do. I'm not going to do some of what God has commanded me to do. I'm going to do it all. You want to know the difference in an average Christian and one that, that, that has affection in the heart of God above all those others? Those who pay attention to the details. Those who are like, what is it that God asks of me? What is it that God wants of me? Oh, it's a little thing, pastor. With God, there are no little things. If God asks it, we give it. If God commands it, we do it. Because He is the Almighty. And can I just be as frank as I possibly can be? Life is at stake. There are some Christians, and I'm just going to be as pointed as I can be this morning. And I love you. You know that I do. You need to quit playing with the lives of your children. Pastor, how dare you? If Noah had not done everything that God had commanded, he was putting his children's life at stake. And there's a lot of Christians today that they ignore what God has said, and they're putting the life of their family at stake. Friend, just as God meant what he said when he told Noah, they've passed the, the, the point, I'm going to destroy man. He said, I'm going to do it. If you want to be saved, you better do this and this and this. God has given us commands today, and if we want to be saved and our home wants to be saved and our future wants to be secure, we better do it exactly how God has said it. Can you, can you imagine how frightening that must have been? When that boat is done.
1: And then the skies got dark.
0: What, what is that? What's happening? Everybody stopped to look up at the clouds. That they'd never seen before. God told Noah and his family to get inside. And that rain started to fall. You know how we scatter now when we start getting rained on? These people had never seen it before. Then the water starts to rise. You know one thing Noah didn't figure out? He didn't figure out how to get that door shut. He didn't need to.
1: The very hand of God reached down and shut it. Can you imagine the rain as it hit? And the noise and
0: the confusion. As the water began to rise and that boat was lifted off of its rest and began to float. I don't know what they could have heard or could not have heard, but certainly there was screaming and there 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 was panic on the outside of that. There was confusion and uneasiness and insecurity as well on the inside of that. But then as the rain came and then for 40 days and 40 nights, over and over and over and over again, and the loneliness and the darkness inside there, and the tossing and all of those things. Let me tell you, the only thing that gave them security, Noah did all. God had commanded. Because if he had shortcut, and that boat sprang a leak, it didn't matter if he was just. It didn't matter if he had walked with God. He didn't do all that God had commanded. And his family would have still perished like the non-believer. God is a detail God. God is an order God. Friend, this is a good reminder for you and I to pay attention to the details. You'll not get to heaven just because you believe there is one. You'll not get to heaven just because you believe Jesus is the Son of God. You must put your faith completely and wholly in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ in that you deserve to be on that cross. But Jesus in your stead went to the cross of Calvary and paid your sin debt and suffered your hell. Your belief in Christ as that substitution and his power over death and in hell and in confession of, the, of being a sinner and confessing that he is the the only way to heaven and putting your faith and trust in Christ and asking God's forgiveness and to cleanse your record You can believe that he was even crucified, but if you don't believe he's the only way to heaven, that is a detail that cannot get overlooked. Christian, you can do some things you're supposed to do, and God will bless you for it. We can do some, and we'll see an increase. We can do some, and God will show his favor.
1: But are we doing all?
0: I think we ought to realize that when God commands something, we live in a day when Christians like to ignore things that are in this book because the times have changed. The mentality Is different. Well, as long as I get some of them right. Pastor, isn't some better than none? Sure. But is that really what we want to argue with
1: when life is at stake?
0: See, and I could go on and on and on this morning. Some of you think I am. This is too good of a truth for for us not just to carry all the
1: way to the end. There are grandchildren not even born yet. What a sobering thought to think that if he had left details out, it would affect the unborn. Well, he's faced with that. He ought to.
0: We're faced with the same decisions. We can make a decision today. We can leave details out undone today that will affect those. We as a church if we want to overlook some details that God has put in that book and say, we're getting most of it right, we're doing most of what we're supposed to do, we're doing doing more than everybody else, but are we doing all that God has instructed us to do? There are future generations that aren't even here yet. It will affect them.
1: Because up to this point, uh, Noah had done well. God said, let me give you some more commands. Noah was paying close attention.
0: I wonder what was going through his mind as God was speaking this. I think he was paying attention. I think he didn't know what the process, but he more than likely thought of his wife, thought of his children. Said, "For them to be saved, I've got to complete the detail." Friend, you and I—we don't know who we're going to affect who hasn't even crossed our path yet. We don't know in some cases, God hasn't even, we we're not even positioned to have children, and we're talking about grandchildren. Well, I heard this preacher when I was a teenager. You're going to have grandchildren. I don't want grandchildren.
1: I'm in a much different place in my life now. It's a lot It's a lot closer. Decisions
0: that are made affect. He did all. I'm asking you this morning. And this could be; these are life changing truths. This could be an eternity altering morning for somebody who does not know Christ to realize that that detail of where I put my faith is the most crucial part of it. I trust the day you'll get your salvation settled. But as Christians, let me tell you what we all need and what our community needs, what this world needs, is for God's people to not be satisfied with some, but determined to do all. What we need is for God's people to say, you know what, I may not have talent, but I can have faith in what He has said. We need God's people to say, you know, I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to prioritize. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to master the most important thing. And by the way, the reason why we don't do it all is because we haven't mastered that most important thing. It's like, I've got I to walk with God, I with God tomorrow. I've got to fellowship with God tomorrow. He's going to be with me. I'm going to be with him. And it's going to be kind of awkward. And so what do we do? We remove that relationship because there's something between us. Friend, can we today, let's be honest with God, don't worry about what somebody else might perceive or think. You must be born again. Child of God, how about full surrender? And you may not agree with me on this, but in many ways I think partial surrender is more dangerous than no surrender.
1: In many ways,
0: some, while God will bless some, can be more dangerous than none. Because we compare to those who aren't doing quite as much. Friend, we live in tumultuous times, don't we? And overnight, God could begin judging a nation that deserves judgment. I know in many ways, I believe He's already judging us. That does not mean my family and your family cannot be spared from it.
1: If I can say it like this,
0: it can be raining everywhere and it can be sunshine on your house. Because that's what God can and will do. This morning, let's make the decision to go from some to all. Are you doing all that you know to do? Pastor, how can can you do everything in this book? Let's not talk about that. Let's talk about everything that you know you're supposed to do. Are we just doing that? Let's let the Lord work in our heart today. Father, I pray that you'd use the message. May we be willing to be honest